welcome to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles. Our producer requested a peppier intro than my normal uh, monotone, so there you go, folks. Hope I, <laughs> hope I blew out your fucking eardrums. <laughs> I thought it sounded good. Thank you, thank you. I, I, I tried to be a little peppier today. Um, I'm in lovely downtown Chicago with the Air and Water show happening, so there's lots of cool plane formations and such going on. How are you? How's L.A.? I'm doing swell. Uh, L.A. is all right. I think our heat wave is finally beginning to die down, which is delightful because it was zapping the energy out of everything and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. The L.A. LA heat is a, is, a, is a fickle bitch. <laughs> indeed, indeed she is. Cool. Well, real fast, because uh, I have to do this every week until I start shooting. <laughs> I uh, oh, go for it. <laughs> I'm making a movie, as I've mentioned on previous Yay! episodes. Uh, it's called Break. It's a coming of age love story set in the span of a summer. It uh, looks at ideas about life, love, and death, all in the in the in the best two and a half months of the year, the summertime. Um, I am raising money for it right now. I really, really love it. I'm putting together an amazing crew. I already have an amazing uh, group of actors together, and I really, really, really am committed to highlighting the uh, small town experience uh, of rural Illinois and uh, a sort of side of a teenage life that isn't uh, properly explored oftentimes in mainstream film. And I think that my movie will bring something to uh, to to the to the cinemas that. Um, is sorely lacking as of late um and to do so uh to pay and feed my brilliant actors and crew and everybody that's helping me make my lifelong dream come true uh, i need the help of you all uh so if you feel like throwing a dollar or two my way i have a gofundme set up it's break a feature film organized by bbf productions that's my production company with producer writer director wonderkind marissa lesman and uh, I would really appreciate anything you can contribute. Any help uh, would make my dreams come true, would make the movie happen, would pay and feed these wonderful people that are helping me. And uh, together, we will make movie magic. And I'll put you in the credits and all that cool shit, and you can feel like a producer. Because you are. You're helping produce the film if you do that. Don't you want to help produce a film? Katie, don't you want to help produce a film? Don't I? Okay, well then send me some money. <laughs> All right, with that plug out of the it's way. It's a really special project. <laughs> yeah, Katie's read the script, loves it. I uh, really did. It I, made me tear up. Yeah, I made Katie cry at a, at a poke restaurant. I sure did. I sure did. <laughs> Over some Hawaiian street food. That's right. All right, that that right, you're going to hear more of it so uh, the, on every episode, so get ready. But with that plug out of the way, uh, as succinct as possible, let's get into the episode. Katie, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the 2015 Blumhouse film <laughs> Gem and the Hologram. Yeah. Now, is this, uh, this, is an original, this, is an, this is an original idea, right? It's not based on an IP, right? <laughs> so this is based on the uh, 1980s cartoon created by Christy Marks, The Hasbro Show. And essentially, the premise of that cartoon was like, imagine if like Barbie was a rock star, but also had a Superman alter ego that was just a hologram. Not necessarily with any superpowers, but just in the sense of being like a rock star. The super... And that's, I guess, more like Hannah Montana. Yeah. But I like to think of her as like Clark Kenty. It is way more Clark Kent Clint Kenty, I think. Uh, and, you know, her superpower is is her rock. 
you know mm-hmm. uh the I, power of rock yeah the power of confidence of of rock of grandeur 80s hair metal oh god the best and hey, pads. was it a toy then a show or were they simultaneous what did hasbro make the toys and then the show or was it simultaneous Oh, uh, I believe that, that that Hasbro probably came up with the concept first, and then Christy Marks created it into like an actual show with characters. Word. And you know what I always thought? Uh, what's your what? familiarity with uh, Barbie and the Rockers? Uh, okay, so I know that on Netflix there's that documentary The Toys that made, toys that made us. us. It's an eight-part documentary series about the <laughs> toys that we all know. Yeah. And uh, on the Barbie episode, they talk about how Jim sure was do. kind of coming up to be the rival Barbie. They sure do. And they were like, well, fuck that. And so they just created Rocker Barbie, who blew Jim right out of the fucking water. And Which I'm not sure how, because, like, I, I mean, I think Barbie is a very fascinating franchise in the sense that she's a blank slate. You can put anything on her. Like, that's part of the charm. Yeah. But, like, Jim has characters with, like, personalities. Did you ever watch any of the Barbie and the Rocker cartoons? I didn't. They're pretty good. Um, oh, they're pretty good? Uh, they're pretty good. But I always thought that Barbie and the Rocker, I always thought Jim copied, Bar- uh, oh, no, 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 backwards. I always thought uh, Barbie and the Rockers copied Jim, and they did. Well, they but totally what? Did. But what I learned in that episode of Toys That Made Us is that, uh, yeah, they caught wind of it, and they beat him to market with the toy, <laughs> which is like. And it was like cutthroat. That's some gangster bullshit. Dude, the Barbie like company is cutthroat as hell. That was that if anybody is not watching Toys That Made Us, you're a fucking fool cuz that is one of the best docs I've ever seen. I love that show. Like I'm like shaking like a like an addict waiting for season 3. It's so good. It's incredible. And I think the one that actually has the best characters, though, if we're able to plug one, is the Star Wars one. I mean, I think that's the most fascinating of them all. So if you're going to check out one, definitely check out the Star Wars one. And that's the pilot, right? That's that's episode one. So that's like an easy, you don't have to do, all you got to do is just click play on F1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'll just watch the first episode. And then like a day later, I'd watch both seasons in a cold sweat. But <laughs> it does do that to you. It's so f- toys oh. are surprisingly fascinating. It's so fucking good, and the history of it. But we're not here to talk about the toys that made us. Fuck you, Netflix. Uh, I don't mean that. Um, we're here to talk about Jim and the Holograms. And uh, did you grow up enjoying this? Like, did you watch the cartoon at all or anything like that? No, actually, we have. It's interesting bringing this one up because you and I have very different histories with it. Yeah. So I was only kind of vaguely aware of Jim and the Holograms. Back in the early days of YouTube, there was this uh, uh, parody, I quote-unquote parody, showed that somebody took clips of Jim and the Holograms and just, like, was very sassy and gay over it. And I remember (laughs) watching those with Ted and the rest of the dudes at, like, uh, because I took a foleying, I was in foleying club. Right. So we used to dub over movies and stuff like that and make sounds that, like, we busted open a watermelon to, like, create the sound of someone's head getting busted <laughs> open. Stuff like that. So I was vaguely, I knew what it looked like, but I didn't really grow up with it. And then I kind of forgot about it until this movie came out. And even when I saw it, I was like, ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't look like it. I, I don't know, man. And then everybody was talking about how it was, like, one of the worst movies of all time. So my fascination about Jem actually comes from this movie. Interesting. Yeah, I did have a I had I did have a bit of a different experience because I remember uh, 
I was a big family video kid. I used to love to rent movies, and they always had the like free kids movies. And uh, the, they had gym VHSs, and they had like Barbie and the Rockers VHSs, and my sister would rent both, and I'd watch them, and I thought they were all right. I remember liking gym quite a bit. Uh, I was into it. And in fact, when they uh, when they announced this movie and I saw it was coming out, I, I got kind of excited because I was like, "Oh, I remember that!" And how cool is it that they're making a movie? How weird! Like, what a weird uh, IP to choose. I know everybody's trying to gobble up IPs in Hollywood and stuff, but it just seems like a strange call. I get it. I mean, if you pull it off, it makes sense. And they didn't, you know, particularly pull it off, but um, it has the elements to be something very special. And uh, uh, I think one of the big issues, and we'll get into it, is. Uh, it doesn't super work trying to appeal to uh, the kids of today because if you have to like if you have to you know sand off some of the edges and make this uh, a modern day gym that's a that's a tough thing to do because it kind of loses what the property is all about because it is distinctly eighties and shit. Um, but I remember being pumped to see it and I was like my, I told my sister Allie I was like yo we're gonna go. We're gonna go see this movie. Uh, they're playing it at the theater. It was the week. It was like the Friday it came out. I'm like, they're playing this at the theater on the other town. Like, we should go. And so we we loaded up the car. Me and her headed like for like a half hour drive. And when we got to town to watch the movie, she was just like, I'm like, what's up? You're not feeling this? And she was like, uh, you just want to get like Culver's or something? And I was like, uh, I'd like to watch this movie, but if you'd prefer to get Culver's, uh, we can go get Culverized. And so I missed it. We went and got uh, greasy, disgusting fast food. And uh, guess what? If you didn't see Jim the first week it came out, you missed your shot until home release. Because mm-hmm. that movie got pulled faster than almost any movie I can think of. I've never seen a movie get pulled from theaters as quickly as Jim and the Holograms did. Yeah, it was a pretty brutal. Well, like if you could imagine, like those cartoons where there's like a vaudeville act, and just like the hook comes and takes it away. For real. That's kind of what that was like. It was like, and like unprecedented. Like, can you think of like any other film that has like had a had a wide theatrical re- release and got pulled after a week? I don't even. I didn't even. Not like, wide. No, I can think of a bunch of animated films that they were like, "Ooh, we made a mistake," and then yanked. But nothing like this. Like Norm of the North. <laughs> Actually, Norm of the North made quite a bit of money. Did it really? That's so fucked yeah. up. All right. Well, good well, for Norm of the you North. Know, there's only so much going on in January. That's a good point. We'll light a candle, not curse the dark. Norm of the North. <laughs> this is a new, an episode 14 is actually about Norm of the North. <laughs> All right. So the fact that uh, the fact that my sister opted to eat fast food rather than see Jim and uh, Jim with me in theaters uh, says it all. Um, that being said, uh, Katie. I know you got a lot of strong feelings. Let's air them. Let's air our grievances here. Okay. So I think that this movie's biggest crime is that it's lazy. I do think that there is a way to kind of modernize this property. And it's a hard property. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, if you go back to the source material, the actual Jim and the Holograms cartoon, there's a couple of problems. Namely, why does Jim, why does, excuse me, why does Jerrica need to be Jim? It's never really explained. There's no impetus. She just does. And she also has this boyfriend, this love interest, uh, Rio, her lowest lane, if you will. And there's no reason for her to keep the fact that she's gem from him. It's never explained. At one point, somebody asks, like, why can't you just tell Rio? And, of course, you're watching that, like, yeah, gem, why can't you just tell Rio? And she says something like, 
oh, Leo just wouldn't understand. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of instances like that in the original cartoon where just the plot holes are so glaring because nobody thought that, like, anyone would be checking up on it or anything. No. Like, the uh, hyper uh, anal retentive nerdiness of today just, like, wasn't as around or as accessible as it was right. in the 1980s. So nobody thought to, like, clear that stuff up. Right. So already you're working with some pretty tricky plot holes. But on top of that, like, uh, it's just, so what they did with this movie is that they took a lot of archival footage of YouTubers. <laughs> they did. They sure did. Inserted it aggressively into this movie <laughs> because it was cheaper for them to get cheapo, low-quality YouTube footage of people geeking out about the original Gem cartoon than it was to actually get people to try to talk about this terribly boring movie. Uh, I don't, all right, yeah. No, I, I thought, I, all right, well, I will ask you that off the bat then, because structurally, this movie could have been like 30 minutes shorter if it didn't, it's like, so you open up without, before we even meet our characters, it's just a series of like, a mashup of like online peeps doing homemade videos of their own music. It's like, what's up, welcome to my YouTube channel, and like all this shit, and um sort of sets the tone for the flick and so often throughout the movie they intercut uh the flick with just like videos like that it's very weird it's like a weird like kind of cool decision but it doesn't pay off the right way so it's not cool it just kind of comes off as like filler it's just this weird filler that like even like in moments of crises and stuff like that they'll like intercut like somebody like like doing like a drum beat and shit and like weird stuff like that and then like we we use that to introduce ourselves to jerica uh who's doing the same thing and she's like but also like her, she's not really because like it's confusing. So she's talking to the audience. This movie does this wonderful thing of uh, of uh, the whole, almost the entire thing up until the third act is flashback, and it's her like narrating like through this video of like here's what happened to my me and my life the last like two months or whatever, which is a ridiculously short timeline. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the, like all, all all the way throughout, it's just a lot of uh, different kids like uh, bearing their souls on the interwebs, and it comes off a little half-hearted, right? Well, actually, that, those are like actual kids talking about again the cartoon. Like this is what Jam and the Hologram, the cartoon, means to me, and they just soullessly took that and implemented it into this like serial numbered sawed off friggin movie it's just so gross i didn't realize that i mean i knew they used the gym logo and the gym, like all the other stuff but i thought that was like hired and filmed for the movie that they just they just no 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 there's like a girl at some point that's like dressed up like one of yeah. the misfits who don't appear for the majority of the movie misfits. by the way and it makes no sense misfits the 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 greatest rival ever known the misfits <laughs> we'll get there sure 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 but so it's it's just so there's that and then they also have these celebrity little clips <laughs> which are also like jimmy fallon and alicia keys are talking about the cartoon again but they try to structure it so that they're talking about this live action pop star type i'm an still idiot because so i did I not it. take it that way at all how do you how do you know that like how do you know like they didn't ask them to do this for the movie they were just randomly talking no, about the cartoon no. yeah it was a completely separate that's so strange like where how do you like how do you know that for sure like i'm legit asking because i looked it 
up. Okay, that's very strange to me. But Chris Pratt saying that him and Jim dated for six weeks, that's not... No, no, no. That's, that's for the movie. Him actually, like, he made a joke that he dated his sister's gem dolls. Are you kidding? Jesus Christ. I'm not. I, this movie sucks, what did, dude. It, did it cost him, like, $10 to make this movie then? I was so impressed that they got, the, like, they, they took the time to, fill, like, have, like, a Fallon seg- a fake Fallon segment and, like, have, like, The Rock talk about Jim and have, like, Chris Pratt. That's, okay, I'm very, very disappointed. No, 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 and The very Rock is talking about a Taylor Swift song there. God damn it. I am all turned around on this because I was sitting there watching this. I've been like, this is pretty good. Like, it's not, that sucks. That really sucks. Dude, this movie so lazy. It just makes me angry. I'm like bummed about that a little bit. Conceptually, it makes sense. You think you take a, you think you take an IP, a Hasbro IP, no less, in the world of Transformers and other such shit, and uh, you think it crushes. Like I think the ingredients, and I think like when you're breaking this story, they all make sense. And you know, b- couple that with uh, coming from Blumhouse, which more often than not, I mean, Blumhouse doesn't miss. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly think even the Blumhouse's worst horror movies, they still bring in money for the most part. Like, uh, it, like in terms of like commercially, they they know their shit. So that's what's so strange is I've never seen them uh, flail this hard. Well, actually, it's funny that you say that because right before the premiere of this movie, Jason Blum did a whole presentation about why his movies never flop. And then, of course, the great irony was like, wah, wah, next day. <laughs> oh. Dude, Jason Blum is such a fucking madman. Uh, like, kind of scares the life out of me. I wonder, like, what he... Is, is, like, who, does he make that call when that movie... Like, I mean, do we know uh, what this movie pulled in uh, in the box office uh, as opposed to budget? Uh, definitely less than the $5 million it took to make it. It's only... Fi- oh, my God. It's only $5 million. What a gamble. Um... But compare that to the three million dollar Get Out Blumhouse made that made like you know 150 million or whatever the fuck. Like, let's see. I'm gonna Google it. But while I Google it, fill in the dead air. <laughs> okay, so I think that part of the problem with this movie is that they just didn't care. And I like when you hear the director talk, he talks about like, yeah, you know, you grew up with Jim. My sisters used to play with it and all this stuff. But they just seem to have a completely like intense disconnect from what it's about. Sure. So this movie tries to make it seem like, like this movie is trying to be like identity is hard because sometimes you try to present yourself as one thing when you're growing up, but really you're this other thing. And sometimes people like you for the thing that you're trying to pretend to be, like all that. But the, and there was a bit of that in the cartoon, but like it also was about like sisterhood. And they tried to do the sisterhood thing a little bit, a little bit. but it never really paid off. You never really got to know the characters aside from Jerica. Yeah. And they also had this weird thing with her family where it made it seem like she was her father's favorite. Yeah. And they completely forget that like Kimber is her sister and they, like her biological sister. They get away from and that, that hard. Also had her same dad. Yeah, they get away from that hard. Um, that's the thing about, and that's the thing I, I, I felt throughout is this movie is, uh, you call it lazy and I'll agree. It, it's just like, it's just the most, it's a paint by number script, right? So it's like, it's like so surface level in that nobody has a want 
uh, Jim kind of does. I mean, Jerrica, like, kind of does, but everybody else is just there. Even, like, her foster mom, Molly Ringwald, which is awesome, awesome casting, but uh, it's just kind of... I don't know. To me, that, that Molly Ringwald thing is like, look at this relic from the 80s. Look at what other relic we have from the 80s. <laughs> That's why I liked it. I was like, oh, good, <laughs> good call. Like, I would have... Uh, <laughs> See, I am. Maybe I'm just an easy. I'm an. Uh, you know what? I know I am. I'm an easy target for film. That's uh, that's why this podcast is fun, uh, because I, I don't hate this movie. I I uh I. You said we were gonna do this movie. I blind bought the DVD for six dollars at Walmart, and I'm happy it's on my <laughs> shelf. I honestly am. I'm 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 pumped. It's on there. I there will be a day on a rainy day where I will put this in again, <laughs> and uh, I will maybe pay attention to it while I you know, play FIFA or something. <laughs> fascinating case study in an adaptation because it's like and how you get away with it because the or away from it i should say because the original cartoon like they're trying really hard to make these girls relatable in the sense that like they're from a small town and you know like they're living with their aunt which they definitely didn't do in the cartoon they also aged them down because yeah. in the cartoon, they're, like, in their early 20s, they're rich girls. They're, like, super rich. Jerrica and Kimber's father was, like, this Bill Gates type who mm-hmm. cre- who built this music empire, this starlight music. Yeah. And uh, also, like, did a lot of tech stuff. And their mother was this um, model, this gorgeous model who died in a plane accident. But before she died, she herself was a foster girl. And that's why bringing in, she started a foster, a house for foster girls. Oh, okay. that was her, like her way of giving back, which is like surprisingly deep. And I'm surprised that they didn't like capitalize on that. Yeah, that is uh, like, I mean, that's what's, you're right. That's weird. They make a lot, they opt to make a lot of changes to the lore that if you stick with some of the plot points, it's pretty strong. The way that, so like, mm-hmm. the, what we actually get is like this handful of teenage girls who are, uh, so Jerrica has a sister, Kimber, but then there's three other girls, right? Uh, uh, Aja. Two right? others. Two others. Aja and Shayna. And they are uh, ambiguous as fuck in terms of like, they're all interchangeable. There's nothing that like, they have like small character quirks that slightly set them apart. Like Aja likes to steal and like you know kiss boys, I guess. And uh, uh, I I can't even think of a standout for anybody other than Jerrica. Uh, honestly. Um, well, okay, so they did try to implement some of this. So in the um, in the cartoon, Aja, the Asian one, is the blue-haired Asian one, is supposed to be a tomboy. Okay. So they were trying to do that kind of with her style, and Shayna, the African-American one with the purple hair in the cartoon, she is a fashionista. That's, like, her thing. Okay, I guess they and, did kind of do that. Yeah, they did play with that a little bit, but, like, just so lazy and yeah. just didn't commit and just had no time. Like, they just didn't care. Yeah. They really didn't. And so, like, the way they deviate is they're these girls. They're living with Molly Ringwald as their foster mom. Uh, things are okay. And we've also introduced this weird subplot that is uh, pretty underexplored where uh, Jim's Jer- – I'm going to call – I'm going to keep calling her Jim because she's fucking Jim. But uh, okay. Jerrica and Kimber's dad uh, was building this robot, uh, Synergy. And he was, uh, he was like an inventor and nobody really knows what Synergy does, doesn't know why he's building it. We just have like footage of him, like a video of him, like making it and stuff. And Jim keeps the unfinished robot on, on her shelf and it's missing pieces to work. Um, now Synergy from the, from the, from the lore, can you give a little like background on what it's like in the, in the cartoon? 
Yes, because this is super weird, and they just, it's what a missed opportunity. So Synergy in the cartoon is like this, she's this holographic computer, and she's, uh, and she helps create, she creates the actual fucking holograms. This is where the science fiction comes in in the show. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that in the pilot episode, uh, Jerrica inherits these Gemstar earrings, so which are able to activate Synergy, this computer, who looks like her dead mom yeah. and helps create the music and the holograms. Yeah, they really did whiff on that, didn't they? Because that's like infinitely more interesting. But it's also probably because they had a $5 million budget and they couldn't afford to do all the cool hologram shit. Uh, oh my God damn it. I mean, even like Pixel Perfect was able, like that Ooh, Disney Pixel Channel Perfect. original movie Good pull. was able to do it better. Oh, man. Oh, and speaking of which, just so we can, uh, uh, it I was an unfinished thought of before. $5 million budget. Can you guess the box office? Uh, one million. Dude, well, very two point three million, but it's like two point three million. I never, I mean, I've never heard of a bigger flop. Like that's unreal. The fact that it even made two million is like kind of unreal. Uh, but it's just absolutely pathetic. I just don't understand because like I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess I don't know who they were aiming for. But I feel like kids would like this. If I saw this in theater as a kid, I would have, I would have been totally fine with it. I don't know, man. I think that, like, when when people make things directed towards women and it feels lame, yeah. like, it, it's it's gross. Well, like, we can feel it when, like, we're being pandered to. And I feel like this is a very pandery thing. It is. It's like, don't you know what it's like to be alone? And don't you know that technology and, and social media culture has uh, has given people this false identity that they show off to the world, and in that they lose their sense of self? And in that sentence right there, I nailed that concept deeper than the entire movie struggles to do. You know what I mean? Uh, Dude, and it's, it's like, God, it gave me the same feeling as like, uh, oh God, what were we talking about the uh, um, last week? We were talking about... Um, uh, Project X. Yeah. And we were talking about how people criticize teenagers for always being on their phones. And I and I talked about, like, how that's such bullshit because at the end of the day, it's still the same shit. And I'm reiterating that right now. And But if you are going to talk about the complexity of it, I think that something like um, Eighth Grade, which I finally did go see, nails Ooh. that way harder. Well. I don't think there's ever been a more authentic representation of um, teen, like teens and tweens today than eighth grade. I think it's unprecedented in its uh, authenticity, in its uh, in its wholesome like beating heart that uh, that it runs through the whole film. It, I, I've never seen anything like it, um, and I think the problem is when people are set out to write these things, they are uh, out of touch. And if there's one person that's not out of touch uh, with uh, internet culture, uh, it's Bo Burnham. Uh, mm. And and I saw I saw it at the Chicago uh, Critics Choice Film Fest, and he did a nice Q and A. And you know, there's probably people out there that are like, "Why do we care what a 27, 28 year old straight white dude has to say about you know young girls?" And it's like, well. The thing he said that I thought was eloquent and sort of went against that point is um, 
I didn't write this movie based on me. I wrote it to, to build a bridge to my fans because most of my fans are actually eighth grade girls. Uh, I'm not a very, uh, he's not like a macho man. You know, he's not like a super, uh, uh, macho, handsome guy. He's a insecure, funny, quirky dude who, um, you know, uh, appeals to eighth grade girls. Absolutely, and so in that he said that, like, you know, yeah, he wrote the script, but L. C. K. Fisher, the girl who gives an unfucking real performance in that movie, uh, who deserves an Oscar nomination, uh, deserves the world um, for her performance, is uh, is the is, became like the basis, and the character grew from her. So I think that's a lot of where the authenticity comes from. He was asking her throughout the filming of the movie, like, what would you say here, and what should I put here? And, like, I think that's why it rings so true. In this movie, you've got, uh, you've got a dude screenwriter, um, by the name of, I believe Ryan Landles. I don't, I'm not super familiar with his, uh, filmography. And then you have John M. Uh, Chu, who interestingly enough, this movie did not put him in like career jail because he just, he just directed crazy rotations, which came out this weekend. And like, I mean, destroy it's destroying the box office. It's crushing with critics. It's resonating. And it's, uh, it's, uh, securing a spot in cinema for a demographic that is sorely lacking, uh, in the entire history of American film. So well, I'm glad he didn't kill his career, but, and I'm, I'm glad that he's doing quite well, but even so like, Oh like, yeah. Man, this I one, and, and I think that cause, cause it's not like he's hurting anybody again. Like this movie isn't bad in the sense that it's offensive in any sense like that. It's just very lazy. And that's what frustrates me about it is that it just doesn't seem like the people that were in charge of it, charge of this property that has this, pretty substantial cult following sure didn't take the time to try to understand it but that's they it. didn't have like an elsie fisher to talk to oh god if elsie i wish elsie fisher was jim that would have been incredible they could have <laughs> we're just we're just we just it just came out at the wrong time i think if you tried to make jim with the with the bones of this movie today if you gave a really like first of all give it to a woman let somebody mm-hmm. who grew up with jim and resonated with jim write this fucking movie so it's the or, right Another thing is that they didn't consult Christy Marks, the creator. Are you kidding? No, they didn't consult her at all. She has a brief cameo at the end. Oh, who is she? Uh, uh, there's the concert where somebody where she says something like, "You really got something special here." Oh, that's funny. That's her. Yeah, but like other than that, like they they brought her in at again like the last minute, and she's still you know she makes some money still from Jim. She sells the um the gosh what's it called the, the story Bibles. She right. has a complete gem Bible, and she sells it, and she, like, uh, autographs sweet. it. She sells autographed copies for, like, 55 bucks. Well, I would love to get an autographed copy because, like, the gem, the gem I, cartoon, the toys, the idea is great. And you know what? Like, I'm, I was watching this and being like, eh, this isn't so bad. But I think it's because I was, so, I was taking it for what it is and not for what it was supposed to be. And w- yeah. hearing you, like, talk about, like, the passion, like, w- like, the big, like, swing and a miss that it ended up being, I'm like, wow, this is Hannah Montana with a gym slicker, sl- uh, sticker slapped on top. And mm-hmm. honestly, less developed than Hannah Montana because that was a damn good show. Yeah, it really was. It was a pretty decent, yeah, it wasn't uh, bad. decent sitcom. Not bad. Another thing that I think that this thing really whiffed, and I do think that, like, again, bringing back the, um, eighth grade comparison is pretty apt is the fact that this movie just so innocently believes that you can just put a grainy some grainy footage <laughs> that of was... a girl singing sadly on youtube 
and it'll blow up the way it did in this movie. Like, was... There's no way on goddamn earth that that's going to happen because there's a million of those videos on YouTube. Millions. And there's a million of them that are better than the one that apparently blew up in this Shit, universe. Yeah. Well, I, here, okay. Let me defend it and then agree. So, in defense <laughs> of the story, I guess I find, especially on Twitter and stuff, there's no rhyme or reason for what happens to go viral. Uh, there's like, I'm always so interested and uh, equal parts interested and confused on the things that happen to strike gold and everybody's talking about it. Uh, I think it happens a lot. But that being said, I've put things on YouTube and I've got a short film on YouTube called Close. Go watch it. BBF Productions on YouTube. Um, and that's got 300 <laughs> views. <Sweet plug. laughs> that's got 300 views. And I felt like Steven fucking Spielberg. So like the fact, <laughs> the fact that like uh, the fact that uh, this girl like puts it up and like doesn't even submit it. Her sister does. And then like I just watch those likes and views shoot up. I'm like this bitch. <laughs> I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> um it's a whole it's a it, it's that's a tough pill to swallow and it's that's the um that's the inciting incident of the movie right right because uh kimber apparently is addicted to social media and so <laughs> she's savvy enough to make that happen but again they're so lazy like that's a, that's actually an interesting character component like, like that that you could have built something with that yeah. she could have been the marketing genius behind gem totally. and she could have figured out how to outsmart erica yeah which she doesn't the uh eric in this movie Wait. and totally like been the savior of this film but they whiffed they whiffed at every turn luke did they gender bend with the starlight records did they what did they gender bend did you say eric yeah yeah in the original cartoon he's eric she's oh, eric man i totally slipped on that uh i think so they get whisked off to uh, Los Angeles to, for this whole experience. They like they want just just Jim. They want just Jerrica. The mystery is like cool because they don't know who Jim is. And Erica Raymond, correct, uh, is yes. this big shot, uh, this big shot uh, music producer from Starlight Enterprises or whatever the fuck. And uh, she's like, I just want you. I just want Jim. And she's like, Well, my sisters just have to go with me. They're my band. And she, it's a really stupid back and forth text conversation. I don't like to. Dude, dude, it's supposed to be email. That's mind about that scene is that they have like the little envelope in the corner and yet they have like the little ellipses thing like it's a text message I thought nobody they were... who did this fucking movie knows anything about technology no shit i thought they were talking on like dms on youtube or something i was like no. that makes sense uh for sure okay you're right that's really fucked but the idea of getting whisked away to uh los angeles and they've got a record deal all of a sudden uh it's it's whatever and like the whole idea is J jerica's the reluctant star but she wants to uh they find out that they're getting like evicted from their house in a month right the the house mm -hmm. that they're living in with their molly ringwald their foster mama and uh so she's like well i gotta do it for my for my sisters and uh they go to uh LA but to she can't tell them because god forbid yeah it's weird that she doesn't tell them <sighs> whatever um so what would you what would you uh, what do you have to say about them when they arrive at L.A. at Starlight? They get the whole makeover. Jim and the holograms is set up, and they become a thing. They become an item. They become a currency okay. in the business. Okay. First of all, the transitions in this movie are deeply lame. <laughs> they anytime they travel anywhere, they use Google Maps, and you can fucking see the little like uh, trademark in the bottom of the screen of yeah. where they're Google mapping to which is so cringy and awful and lazy 
And but when they actually start the montages and like Juliette Lewis, who plays Eric Raymond, who's the best part of the movie, by the way, absolutely the best. She, she nails this terrible, terrible role. She's awesome. She actually gives this character some personality. She's a good actress, man. She walks by them and she's like, not trying hard enough, trying too hard. Oh, you're not trying at all. And like, that's good. But then they proceed to not give them any personality in their style whatsoever. This movie is completely devoid of personality. There's no personality in the style, like their actual physical appearances, their actual personalities, or in the goddamn songs that we're supposed to take off. Yeah, I have a lot to it's say about the songs. Bland pop music. Yeah, as bland as it gets. Not even the good, like catchy pop music that I like on like you know shitty radio stations where I can like hum it. I didn't walk away from this movie. I was gonna save this, but let's do it while we're while we're in the midst of it. This movie. The where it probably whiffs hardest is you make a fucking movie about uh, a group of like teen pop stars and you sing you sing like what three songs and not only do you like mm-hmm. sing three songs few and far between but the songs aren't even fucking memorable I don't remember a single one and I am a motherfucker that will remember an offbeat quote from a commercial I saw 13 years ago and I, I <laughs> I'm just telling you, and I do not remember a single fucking song from this I watched it two nights ago uh, that's like the biggest failure of all like if you're not gonna like cash in there are times where there are movies i don't even like but the soundtrack is so goddamn good that i'll download it and this is the the this is not the case like can you think of any of the music can you like can you even hum i can't even remember the whistling song that turned on synergy like i i, I have no clue no it's just it's so bland like no one cares it's got me like, heated. Even if something like it's god you think about something, another comparison that you could make is like the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Please don't, because that, this, that movie is a treasure. But that's what I mean, is that like that does the exact same plot, like the exact same plot. It is, it absolutely it is. it has personality. Those girls have a look. That movie is very like almost the exact same beats in that they get the deal, but the reason that movie succeeds so much harder is it is... Um, in terms of the comedy, the meta humor, the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, adult sort of um, the adult reimagining of these little cartoons into something that's uh, certainly not meant for kids, even though I did watch it as a kid and loved it, that movie is still ahead of its time. Uh, it, it, that movie is a commentary on uh, on um, brands uh, taking over, like and taking the place of actual uh, talent. That movie is a commentary on uh, how we are as like a drone society and culture and how we'll just attach to anything that corporate uh, people tell us to. Um, that movie is still, like, I could, you'll watch it in 20 years and it'll still be spot on. That is so That's fucking, my point, is so that fucking I wanted good. this movie to be like that movie. I love that movie. I wanted it to be smart. And in, it, it just, or at least for someone to embrace the camp. Like, if you're going to do anything, at least embrace the style of gem, well, which they, is what people remember about it most. Well, then the problem is they aimed for the wrong demographic if they want to do something like that. J- uh, Josie and <laughs> the Pussycats decided, let's do let's do a sort of dark take and make it a, a teen to young adult comedy. Uh, this mm-hmm. movie tried to be I mean, I guess I'll say earnest, but it was aiming for 10-year-old girls, wouldn't you say? Probably. I mean, that's what I took it as. It's definitely safe. Uh, yeah, about as safe as it gets. Um, and in that regard, we're at, we're at uh, one in the plot where we're at Starlight and, you know, uh, Erica's being kind of a bee and they're like being housed at like the Starlight house, which is, you know, an okay take on the Starlight house or whatever the hell. We meet... Uh, Rio, uh, her son, um, I will let you talk 
about it because I want to hear your thoughts, but I will just say off the bat, really uncomfortable with this plot point. Oh, the fact that he's like a college intern and they're still in high school. You mean, you mean this 40-year-old guy that's apparently a college intern? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean this guy you mean this guy who went to college with my dad who's a who's a college intern? <laughs> You, you mean you mean this fucking Abercrombie underwear model who graduated high school in 1983? Yeah, that guy. This motherfucker. This guy is like this, this guy. Like this character is from like do the way college, high school and college movies, even as much as like the 90s, like when they're like 30 and 90210. This is the like most egregious example in in a movie that cast <laughs> to age. I feel with Jerrica and the girls, they feel like 16, mm-hmm. 17 year old girls. Um, this guy who's a supposedly a college intern, homie, even worse than the Twilight Saga, you are old. I mean, you're handsome, <laughs> you're a good looking guy, but you are you old, old. You, honey. You're old. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, you've seen some things. I feel like I feel like you just got done doing like coke off of like a, a stripper's ass or something. Oh yeah, which makes their whole like eyeing each other later on in the film even more uncomfortable. Nobody has any chemistry in this movie. Absolutely whatsoever. none. The Absolutely sisters none. don't feel like sisters. Nope. That somewhat kind of going to be a romantic plot doesn't go anywhere. And the only time that I ever felt anything like any kind of emotional tension is the writer from Juliet Lewis who's a fabulous villain yep. as Erica Raymond, yep. or in the very, very end credits when we get to see what this Ooh, movie could have been. I can't wait to get there. Let's save that. Let's bury the lead. Okay. Because I'm we'll excited about that. So uh, I want to explore the Synergy subplot that I that I mentioned earlier. So once we get oh, to yeah, Starlight Christ. House, Synergy wakes up, and it's never worked uh, It's never worked before, Jerrica's whole life. She just has it as like a reminder of her dad who, uh, who uh, unfortunately and suddenly passed away when she was a child. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it has coordinates that lead to Santa Monica Pier. They sneak out, they sneak out, they take Rio's truck, who's supposed to be watching the house, like these six, these five, four? How many girls? I'm sorry, four? Four. These four There's teenage four girls I know. are They're in this so big house. Unmemorable, being, like, not memorable. Being, like the... being watched by this 46-year-old male um, <laughs> uh, to make sure that they don't, like, I got to keep an eye on you girls, make sure you stay in your beds. And I'm like, oh, okay. He doesn't say it. he doesn't say that, but he may as well. And uh, so they take his truck, and uh, I watch them go to Santa Monica Pier, and I'm like, from the Hollywood Hills, and maybe the maybe the worst part of like re- like continuity is that's a far fucking drive, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's San- it's, Santa Monica Pier. I don't know if you've been to California. I've happened to go. Santa Monica Pier and the Hollywood Hills are not close. Uh, so that's a, a hard, that's a tough call, but they go. And when they get to Santa Monica pier, uh, synergy, like they have like those weird, uh, like pipes that turn and like, it plays the song that her dad used to whistle while he was working on synergy. And, uh, the little bastard goes insane. Um, and, uh, he, he wakes up, but he's not BB-8 looking motherfucker. He is. He's a, he looks, you know, what he looks like, he looks like fucking waffle bot from Harold and Kumar Christmas. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> waffle bot. <laughs> I hate pancakes. <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> I love Waffle Bot. Um, 
<laughs> Wafflebot is infinitely more developed than Synergy. Wafflebot saves oh, the yeah, day. Oh, yeah, like, Wafflebot has a personality. Pancakes are fucking gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do it again. If only they would have gone with Jerrica's dead mom. Yeah, that would have like, been way Synergy doper. being a sexy, jazzercise version of her dead mom. That'd oh, God, doper. this movie would have been amazing. For sure. And uh, so uh, they, they get Synergy to kind of work, but it doesn't do anything. It just leads them on to another map for a, a, another piece of Synergy to work. And I'm like, and I, I literally just, like, wrote my notes, fuck, this movie just got so weird. Like, for, a lot, for like, for like the first, like, half hour, 40 minutes or so, it's just, like, this Hannah Montana, half-assed Josie and the Pussycats, but then it goes sci-fi, and they've got this weird little fucking robot zipping all over, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I have to assume every penny of that $5 million budget is to animate Synergy, and it still doesn't look that good. Um, but... So uh, they have the coordinates, and it's leading to this 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 big time club, like the I don't remember what it's called, the L.A. Air Club or some shit. Um, mm-hmm. Open air club. Open air club, and then Rio shows up, and he's like, "Oh, little ladies, uh, what are you <laughs> sexy girls doing down here?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no! Rio, you're freaking everybody out. And then the cops show up, uh, and he's like, "We gotta go." And she's like, "What are we doing?" And he's like, "Jump!" And they jump off the Santa Monica Pier into the ocean. And I'm just like, okay. So here we are. And uh, at 48 minutes in, we're beneath the Santa Monica Pier. We're at a weird singing sequence where they decide to sing. And then, like, Rio starts singing with them with a beautiful voice. And I'm like, so what is this? Is it a musical? Because no. Is it a sci-fi thriller? No. Uh, I just have no idea of what I'm supposed to feel. And we're almost an hour in. Yeah. Like, nothing happens in the first hour of the movie. Actually, you know, I would hazard to say that nothing happens in the entire movie. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, uh, so they're singing, and then Rio starts singing with them, and I wrote, fuck, Katie, it's happening. It's happening. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, so we, it's revealed, we already did it, but we, it's revealed that Rio's, I'm not just some college intern. I'm Erica's son, and I don't want this life. I want my own life. And I'm like, cool, pretty, pretty uh, <laughs> well-tread ground there. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they end up, uh, Rio gets them booked for the open air club and they go to their first show. It goes well, the lights go out, but they save face, Katie. How do, what happens when the power goes out? They have, they're like, everyone, we need your help. Light up your Get cell your phones. Phone. <laughs> Light up your cell phones in the stage. We can, we can sing together. Give us a drum beat. And I'm like, if that's and honestly, that's the part of the movie that has the most heart, which is sad because that movie that's hollow as fuck. Dude, also like they're supposed to be this big band that's selling out stadiums, and they can barely get like two rows of people to try to make it look like there's more people in this teeny, tiny like little venue. There's like forty people in this hallway of a club so you're passing off. Lazy. <laughs> uh, uh, and so now everybody's buzzing over Jim Fallon, The Rock, Chris Pratt, uh, which I thought was really cool until you told me how uncool it was, and I agree. Uh, and the big mystery is like, who is he? We don't know who Jim is. We we don't know who this who these mystery gals are. And um, here we get my favorite part of the Rio subplot, where uh, <laughs> we're back at Starli- Starlight House, and uh, Rio. I wrote Rio is in a towel because obvi. Uh, <laughs> Don't with like forty T's. Don't 
love the forced relationship arc. And uh, I yeah. wrote, why does he have to be the hottest fuck alive? I'm like, break down those barriers, Hollywood. Why don't you make Rio some schlub? Like, then then it works a little better for me because it's not the, like, well, Jerrica gravitating toward the, like, strong fucking eight-pack having 37-year-old uh, underwear model that is Rio. It's like, maybe like, you could fall in love with somebody for being a person. Cartoon, even like real Pacheco is just says dad jokes. Have you watched that shit? Like in the Not pilot, like when they're recently. all fixing the house, he goes, "Hey, Aja, can we have a little light on the subject?" And she turns the lights on. He's a dad. Okay, he's a lame dad. Well, maybe they. I would have been way more comfortable if they go with that angle instead of like the. No, no, yeah, I think it's great. I think that it'd be fabulous. Forty-year-old like, guy was this weird dude who says dad jokes all the time. He's like, "Hey, I fingered girls before." I'm like, Rio. What, what, what are you talking about, man? Like, I thought you were just a college intern. Get away from me. <laughs> Ew. And so I honestly believe that... <laughs> yeah, let me pass that. Let's gloss on over. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm not saying... I don't want this life my mom's giving me. All I want is you, Jim. And then they hooked up right underneath the Santa Monica Pier. I was like, Jesus Christ, in front of the other girls? Rio, you mad, man? You mad, man? <laughs> Also, there's a very, like, sad, like, very not cool bum joke where they start singing, and there's, like, uh, some poor homeless person sleeping underneath the bridge. Oh, and they're like, yeah. hey, I'm trying to sleep, and everybody just laughs at her, and I'm like, oh, cool, you famous people. Uh, like, uh, like aren't homeless people stupid and poor? I'm like, yeah, yeah. good messages, Jim and the Holograms. <laughs> God, I, I, hate, I hate him, too. I hate this movie. Leeches. I hate it. <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> So I honestly think, and you're right in saying that Erica is the best character in the movie. I think she's the most genius businesswoman ever. So, Jer- well, I don't know. She could negotiate her way out of like not signing the other three sisters. Like I feel like if she was so cutthroat, she would have figured out how to blackmail Jim from the get-go with her secret identity. Yeah. Because Jerrica used her fucking personal email to correspond with her. And they, yeah. Oh, good call. And not only that, but um. Yeah, that's a good call. But I think that was a long con because she knew she could. Because here's why I think mm-hmm. so. She's like, whatever, whatever. I'll get what I want eventually, sweetie. And um, th- you're right. They hit so many beats Josie and the Pussycat hits, but they land so much harder in that movie. In fact, yeah. Erica is like, down to the actress even, is like the carbon copy of uh, Parker Posey. Am I saying? Is that the actress uh, who's the uh, the Fiona, the, the music mogul in jo- Josie and the Pussycats? Um, I don't remember. Well, it, I'm 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 almost. But I remember positive, the character. Right? Yeah, I yeah. know what you're talking about. And um, she's the girl from Dazed and Confused. All right, you little freshman bitches. Right. <laughs> um, honestly, I would have loved if like they would have just used Parker Posey, <laughs> but the, the but uh, regardless. So I think she's a genius because Jerrica's like, yo, my mom's gonna lose her house. We thought we had more time than we did. Can I have an advance? And she's like, sure, doll. All you got to do is uh, sign this here uh, contract that says uh, it's just you and fuck the other girls. And she's like, I don't know what I should do. It's my, I, do I, I don't know what to do. And uh, <laughs> uh, she's like, she's like, well, I don't think I can do that. And she's like, well, that's fine. I'll replace you because guess what? Nobody knows who Jim is. I have Jim. They don't want Jerrica. They want Jim. And I'm like, whoa, kind of smart. I'm actually into that a little bit. Uh, Starlight owns a name, the logo, the costumes. I'm like, that's pretty genius. So you get whatever you want in that regard. So at an hour and 12 minutes into the movie, this movie crosses the line and actually gets for real shitty. 
because uh, like it's been. <laughs> you mean when they like try to do the? Uh, oh no! Like, why could you do? How could you do this to us? You know, kicking us as a band, we're like barely a part of, the cl- and we're all gonna be mad at you, but we're gonna forgive you five minutes later. Uh, the classic movie. Blow me! This movie is terrible. <laughs> Uh, literally suck Katie's dick, okay? This movie's awful. Um, so uh, the thing I hate most and uh, the trope I hate most in film is that classic cinema beat where, you know, uh, there's a misunderstanding and your friends overhear you talking to the enemy and they storm away without letting you explain. Like, nothing frustrates me quite like that. The one I think of most is Mighty Ducks, where uh, I don't know how well you remember those movies, but... Uh, Bombay is talking to like his former coach and the current coach of the Hawks, the rival team. And he's mm-hmm. like talking about his team. And he's like, that's right, coach. They're losers, aren't they? And we hate losers, don't we? They don't even deserve to live. And like the, like Peter and the other ducks are like, oh, Bombay. And uh, they're all like pissy and stuff. Like, and like, that's the one I always think of because it's so on the nose and so stupid, but it just works not at all in this movie. No, uh, not even a little. Like it, again, it's so, lazy because there is a way that they could have had a falling out but they could have had a falling out about something different like how about the direction of the band which they definitely did in the cartoon at one point there's a whole episode where kimber's like hey when do i get to be a part of this band because nobody ever lets me do fucking anything right so i'm gonna go start my own thing like that would have been more interesting than like what you fucked this over, but not really. How could I feel like you? it really weakens her character if it's just a misunderstanding. But you have to make a decision yourself. That's what makes a strong character. Like when you actually fuck up. Right. And so now, cool. So when Jim, Jim okay, we'll fly through the plot because we only have a few more minutes. Um, Jim. So Jim does this shit where she becomes a solo act. It sucks. It's only like five minute long montage, and then the, uh, she goes to her old house where she lived with Jerrica and her dad. And uh, Rio arrives uh, along with the other girls, and they have the earrings, the missing piece, the the classic Jim earrings from the from the from the sh- from the lore. Um, mm-hmm. And the Jim star earrings. The Jim star earrings, and um, so they. Uh, they they know they need to get the earrings. They find that that's the missing piece for synergy, and they have to break into Starlight. They do, um, and eventually, uh, they also find Rio's dad's will, who says that like he can uh, have the company instead of um, Erica, and so zipping through, they get synergy to work. Sweet hologram of her dad, the only hologram in the movie, um, where this part kind of worked on me a little bit, a little bit. Um, where I almost teared up, but I'm kind of an emotional fuck late at night. Uh, and it's like, I don't really know what it accomplished. So you sent your kid on the scavenger hunt to find these pieces to complete your, your, uh, unfinished project and robot all to give, all to give her what the message is I did this. So, you know, you would find, have the confidence in the teach of the lessons that I couldn't teach you. And like, I'm just like, what did this accomplish? Cause like, you didn't really say anything important and more so than that. You only did it for Jim. You have a second daughter, and you mentioned Jericho one time. It's or Jerry, not Jericho, but about Kimber. Kimber. It's so sad. It's bizarre. So that subplot is absolutely fucked. It's like this weird security scavenger hunt to have a few minutes of FaceTime, but like maybe that's the point. I don't know. So finally catch up with Jerrica present day. She's been voicing over the whole movie. They go on and play their third and final con- concert. They're not going to reveal themselves. They're going to play the show, but the way they want to. Rio boots his mom and Zipper, who's like this bodyguard, 
uh, who's like this bodyguard sort of like muscle for Erica, just switches up in a heartbeat. And I was just laughing out loud when he switches to Rio's side. I go, I go, Taylor, my girlfriend was watching that. I go, Zipper doesn't care, man. He, 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 I go, Zipper's married to the job. Like, it's just so funny. One of the only big laughs of the movie, in my opinion. There's another one, too. It's like that weird valet guy who's got like the demo valet of the damn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so valet funny. Of the damn. That's a good joke. That was joke. pretty good. It was funny. I like that gag. Uh, so the whole point of the concert is, you know, we're all Jim. Jim's all of us. And the show goes okay. Ew. And then Jim and Rio kiss. And I don't love that. Uh, <laughs> so the movie ends on like a, on a positive note. But let's talk about the sequel setup while we have a minute. Oh, yes. Let's. Let, let's. Okay, so there's like a there's like a mid credit, like a goddamn Marvel movie, and uh, mm-hmm. Erica's like uh, damned. She's uh, cast out from her uh, uh, music industry, and she's in like the slums, some back alley underneath a bridge or some shit. And, uh, it's like a very sketchy warehouse with a trailer that's right. for some reason. With these much mature, like more mature, more grown up, like more badass, like uh, cast of uh, artists. And uh, there's like the there's like misfits graffiti on the wall. And uh, how would you describe the interaction? Like, what's basically? How does it go down? Oh, it's so great. So Erica just kind of wanders in, and she's like kind of scared, and she's like, it's clear that like this is a band that she casted out before, but now she needs to get them back to her side and they're not having it like they, they're being the other two uh roxy and stormer which is which is delightful to see them they're circling erica like gay condors and like touching her hair and stuff oh yeah and being all creepy it's, and I'm, I'm loving it i'm loving every second of it and then uh she's like talking about like and you know she like jam has rio now and then out of the distance you hear wait Rio, and then out from like a cloud is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's Kesha, uh, track is it really itself, goddess of pop. God damn Kesha it! Comes out. You didn't know it was Kesha? No, I don't recognize her very well. <laughs> I love her. Uh, I love so her. Awesome. So you're telling me we could have lived in a world where you just make the movie Jim versus the Misfits with Kesha, and instead we yes. get this origin flick and a sequel set up for a, a movie that will never happen because the sequels looked fucking dope. I would love that. Yes, dude. Yes, we could have lived in a world where good things happen, and, Ke- and Kesha would have just destroyed Audrey Peebles. God damn it. Well. That's fucked. The Misfits looked so cool. I geeked out over that. Like it was such a Marvel move. It was such a Marvel movie move having the mid credit mm-hmm. be like the sequel hook for something way doper along the, down the line. But the problem is you didn't build a strong enough foundation. Iron Man, this is not. You know, this is fucking. They should have just the Misfits are the best part of it. And the, Christy Marks was smart enough to put her principal antagonist in the pilot. That's just what they should have done with the origin movie. Just put them. In the origin movie. Well, Katie, you should have wrote this. You should have wrote this movie. And Katie has, in fact, written a pilot for Jim and the Holograms, uh, which I think is very good. And if, ev- if ever you care to share it via our social media, I would love to put it up for people to enjoy. Um, that's not putting, not putting you on the spot, but if ever you want to do that, we got a WordPress, we got a Facebook, Twitter, everything. I would love people to read it because I think it's really fucking good. And it would be nice to read something about Jim for Jim fans, by Jim fans. Um Katie, you should you should you should work in Hollywood right now and forevermore. Thanks, dude. So, on that note, uh, we'll put a pin in this. We'll be uh, returning next week with an episode about Josh Trank's much maligned fan four stick. 
Um, oh yes, excited oh, to I talk. Have much to say on Me that one. too. Both positive and negative. Surprisingly positive. Yes. Well, we'll get there. Um, please. <laughs> Please, please consider donating to my movie, Break, a feature film by BBF Productions. It's on GoFundMe. Find me on social media under Luke Taylor. We'll pimp it on Bad Movie Brunch Facebook as well. Help me make a movie. I love you all so much. And for Bad Movie Brunch, I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Grossinger. Have a good one, guys.